Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. If you would be opening your Bibles to Exodus, the 19th chapter. Exodus, the 19th chapter. That's probably around page 67 in your pew Bibles, if you want to follow along in your pew Bibles. We're thankful to have our 20-somethings back from their ski trip. I understand that they had a great trip, and we're glad to have you back. We appreciate and love our 20-somethings. Do keep in mind that the House to House Ministry can use some help this evening, as already mentioned. And I already mentioned this morning, we are so thankful for each one that has already this week given of their time, whether it's through disaster relief or even others going down to the Hickman County area this weekend, and find a way that you can help, and let's reach out and help those that are going through a tough time right now with the disasters. We're thankful for our our young ladies serving Christ. Uh, They served our widows and widowers a delicious meal and and served them and visited with them today at lunch. And it was a wonderful, wonderful uh, sight to behold. And also, uh, it was a delicious meal to be a part of. We have a, a newcomer's mixer tonight, this next Sunday want to encourage you to go ahead and block out some time, uh, either after Sunday morning uh, services or after Sunday night services or after Wednesday night service or before Sunday night or before Wednesday night. Uh, All of our ministries will have about 50 uh, booths set up. Now, some of the booths will be on one table. Uh, Many of the booths will be together on one table, so there won't be 50 tables set up. But all of the ministries will be represented, and it will be a time that you'll have the opportunity to ask questions and find out more of what is happening. We realize that not everybody's been here for a long time. And sometimes we talk about things and we use the names of ministries or refer to people as if everybody ought to know them. And we realize that not everybody does know the ministry or even the deacon that's leading that ministry. And this will be your opportunity. Uh, to be able to go up and ask questions and find out what is needed and what is involved in a ministry. And our hope and our prayer is simply this, that everybody serves God in the way that He wishes that you would serve. That's all we want to do. We're not here to twist anybody's arm or, or try to create something out of nothing or nothing out of something. We just want to do God's work His kingdom work in this place. And I hope that you'll be prayerful about that. And I hope that uh, you'll support the Lord's work. And uh, in so doing, of course, it'd be a great encouragement to the deacons that uh, work on a daily and weekly basis uh, in the Lord's work here. And we appreciate and love each one that's a part of that work. What do you give someone who has everything? You know, I've heard of magazines where you can flip through the pages and you can pick out a, a ranch that's worth seven million, several million dollars to purchase, or you can go ahead and buy a, a polo pony for your child for several thousands of dollars. I even noticed the other day that you can buy a little piece of Mars and you can receive a certified documentation that you own a little piece of Mars. What do you give someone that has everything? Well, really, who does have everything? God does. What is it that God would count as special? What is it that God would say, now that's a treasure that I'd love to have? 
look with me as we look in Exodus the 19th chapter. And as we read verse 4 and 5, or let's start with 5 and 6. As we look at 5 and 6, you're going to notice that he tells us what is a special treasure to him. And as we read this, I'd like for you to also note a second thing. Look for the if-then statement. If then. Let's read together. We're in the 19th chapter and we're on page um, verse 5. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. God gave these words to Moses for Moses to give to the children of Israel to tell them that they had the opportunity to be a special treasure to God. God, of course, was choosing them as He chose Abraham. He wanted them to be a special people. He wasn't going to force them into anything. They would have to decide if they wanted to be God's special people. He was going to make them a great nation, a royal priesthood. And by the way, all three of those things are things that we had in our scripture reading this morning in 1 Peter, the second chapter in verse 9 of the glorious description, not only of Israel, but also of God's people as Christians under the new covenant. Now, as we think about this, notice he says that for us to do those things, There's something that we must do first. In other words, for us to be those things. If we're going to be that special people, we have to do something. Notice the if statement back in verse 5. First, if indeed you obey my voice. And then second, if you keep my covenant. If then. If you obey my voice, keep my covenant, then I'll let you be my special people. I'll count you as a holy nation. I'll allow you to be a royal priesthood. Friends, as we think about this if-then, and we think about the setting, and we think about the things that have happened and the things that are about to happen, it's really at a pivotal point, if you will, in the book of Exodus. Many of us have been reading through the book of Exodus in our readings, and I want to continue to keep reading. It is amazing the great things that individuals say that's happening in their lives, in the lives of their family, as they do these readings together. It's encouraging, as I heard someone say just the other day, well, I just kind of had to cut my losses and just start back with the day we are on today. Friends, that's fine. We want to make sure that everybody's studying God's Word. If you've trailed so far behind, you're feeling overwhelmed, pick back up where we are today and enjoy the last part of Exodus as we move into Leviticus very soon. The important thing is that we all read together. As we look at the book of Exodus, we see a great deliverance. But we also see now, right now, a great time of a covenant that God is going to make. If ye keep my covenant. But then also we see a great tabernacle that is a part of the pattern that's laid out throughout much of the last portion, the last third of the book of Exodus. As we think about them coming now to this pivotal point, Mount Sinai, so much had happened here. You see, when Moses left Pharaoh's palace and he went out for the 40 years in the wilderness, it was there that he was tending the sheep that he looks over and he sees the bush on fire but not yet consumed or not being consumed at all. And God speaks through that bush to give him the command to go back and to lead the people out. Now he's led the people out and he finds himself at that very same location again. And God wants to make a covenant with the people. 
as he addresses the people through Moses, we see something that I don't guess any of us here can really imagine the way it truly would have been. As we read deeper in this chapter, we see great lightning and great thunder. We see that the the mountain began to bellow with smoke as if it were a furnace because as God's presence is coming near, He's bringing fire. And the mountain itself begins to quake so that all that are in the camp begin to tremble. God has their attention. And just in case He doesn't by now, He is sounding the trumpets and they continue to get louder and louder and louder. And what comes from there is when we go to the 20th chapter, and that is the voice of God uttering the Ten Commandments. They weren't written first. First, they were spoken. The first four of the Ten Commandments deal with man's relationship with God. The last six of the Ten Commandments deal with man's relationship with man. It's interesting that Jesus Christ would bring or summarize all ten of these commandments in principle to two commandments. As they would ask Him, what is the first and greatest commandment? And He would say, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. That takes care of the first four. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That takes care of the next six. And it's after He gives this covenant that He begins describing the tabernacle that He wants for them to build. I'd like, though, for just a moment to drop over to the 32nd chapter. And if you will, turn with me to Exodus, the 32nd chapter. Where we first began studying tonight, Israel had only been freed of the bondage for three months. They would stay in Mount Sinai area for about 11 months. Many things would take place during this time, some grand things and some very wicked things. Here is one of the very wicked things that would take place. As we begin scanning some things in the 32nd chapter, we see that God had called Moses up into the mountain. And while he was gone, there came the words in the middle of the first verse of 32, come, make us gods that we shall go, that shall go before us for as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And so Aaron gives the command for them to break off their golden earrings. And then we see in verse four that the molded calf is delivered. And, and Aaron even goes so far in the fifth verse to build an altar so that they could make sacrifice before this golden calf. They begin to arise up and to play, if you will. And it's probably uh, very sexually immoral acts that are probably about to take place at this time. God looks down and He sees the wickedness of the people in verse 9 and declares that they are stiff-necked people. And He is ready to bring great curse upon them. And keep in mind, by this time, Moses is still up in the mountain. He doesn't see apparently what God is seeing. And so he, he kind of calls God off and urges him not to do that. And so God relents in verse 14. But then when Moses comes off the mountain, because God sends him off the mountain, and when Moses comes off the mountain, he sees in 19, he saw the calf and the dancing. And in his anger, he throws down the tablets and he breaks them. Friends, it's interesting to note that one of the things that the children of Israel wanted 
was that they wanted some kind of tangible evidence that the presence of God was near them. That was their excuse, if you will, for saying we need to build some kind of calf. And the irony of all of that was Moses was up in the mountain at the very time receiving the orders of how to build the tabernacle. And do you remember the two rooms in the tabernacle? And do you remember that back room in the tabernacle that was 15 by 15 by 15 cube? It was the very place that the presence of God was to be manifested, was to dwell Isn't that awesome? Man longs for God to be near. And God longs for man to know that He is near. If we'll hear His voice and keep His covenant. Let's think about this tabernacle as we consider some things in this passage. Let's go back to the 25th chapter. And notice how God would describe the reason, if you will, for this tabernacle. In Exodus, the 25th chapter, look at verse 8 and 9. Exodus 25, 8 and 9, this is what God says about many things that He says about the tabernacle. In 8 and 9, He says, And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them, according that all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of its furnishings, just so you shall make it. Let's go a little bit deeper and let's go over to the 29th chapter. And notice a very similar passage in the 29th chapter. And again, I want you to notice the emphasis that God is placing on saying over and over, I want it to be a place so I can dwell among the people. Now friends, God, He could have dwelt among the people I believe in in any other way other than through this tabernacle. But you see, this tabernacle would make it so that the people would know that God was dwelling among them. Look again in 45 and 46 of the 29th chapter. Again, God says, I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them I am the Lord their God. And when we read over in the 39th chapter in 42 and 43, this is near the completion of all of this. And this is how the obedience, remember, if they were going to be God's special people, the special treasure of God, they were going to have to hear His voice and obey or heed or keep the covenant. And notice how the obedience is described here in the 39th chapter in 42 and 43. According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did all the work. Then Moses looked over all the work, and indeed they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, just so they had done it. And Moses blessed them. What a beautiful thought. God wanted His presence to be known among the people. He told exactly how that tabernacle was to be built. They built it exactly the way He said to build it. And within that, He built it so that it could be portable. The structure itself, including even the furniture itself, was all made in such a way that it could be moved. As a matter of fact, one of the beautiful passages, when we read in Exodus, to me, One of the beautiful passages is in the 33rd chapter. In Exodus, the 33rd chapter, and we don't have a slide for this, but this is the time that 
God is preparing Moses to move onward. And notice what he says in verse 14 and 15. And he said, this is one of my favorite passages in Exodus. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Isn't that beautiful but also powerful? Moses is saying, I know we're in the middle of a wilderness. But I want to tell you, Lord, I'd rather stay in the middle of a wilderness with you than to go to any great city without you. Friends, Moses knew the blessing it was to have the presence of God close. Now, we're not extending the invitation just yet, but we will shortly. But I want to ask you, do you have the presence of God close in your life or has sin separated you from God? God wants us close. And if we're not close to God, we are the ones that have sinned and we are the ones that have decided not to do anything about removing that sin. God's done His part. God sent His Son. As a matter of fact, that brings us to a second time that God came near. Look, if you will, in John, the first chapter. In John, the first chapter, we see another time that God wanted to dwell close to the people and allow the people to know that He was close to them. In John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now skip down to verse 14, and this Word, who is actually Jesus Christ, God in flesh, Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, that's the same language that was used in the Old Testament when the Lord says, this is why I'm having you to build a tabernacle. I want the people to know that I am dwelling among them. And now Jesus is being sent and He becomes... God becomes flesh and He dwells among us and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Now notice, it's full of grace and truth. Now God dwelling among us in the form of Jesus is going to do something for us that could not be done under the old covenant. Now we're going to have a Redeemer. We're going to have one who can literally take away the guilt of our sin if we heed to His voice and obey His covenant. As we think about this, I'd like to set this off in comparison to Exodus, the 32nd chapter. I hope I'm not misunderstanding this passage, but in Exodus, the 32nd chapter, Moses is showing us the heart of a great leader, and he seems to imply the hope that maybe he could be a substitution for the sins of the people. Notice as in Exodus, the 32nd chapter, that's where we're reading earlier where the golden calf was built and God's anger was stirred against the people and Moses' anger was stirred against the people. But then Moses realizes how serious the condition is for the people. He loves the people. If you're a leader of this church, we need to ask ourselves, would you be willing to do what Moses is about to offer? If you're a leader of your family, you need to ask yourself, would we be willing to do what Moses is about to offer? When we pick up here in verse 31 of the 32nd chapter, then Moses returned to the Lord and said, 
Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Do you think here Moses is literally saying, Lord, I'm fearful for the condition of the people. And if they're separated from you now, God, and I'm saved, I'd rather you allow me to be the one that's lost and allow them to be the one that's saved. That's the courageous love of a leader. Do we love the people we lead that much that we would exchange our eternal life with them if it were possible? But you see, here's the great lesson. Moses could not serve as a substitution for anyone's death of sin because he wasn't perfect. That's why when Jesus came near, God dwelt on earth, tabernacling among us. Hebrews 4 and 15 tells us that He was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. Friends, that's why He could go to a cross and He could die so that we could have the gift of eternal life. And that's why Moses couldn't go and die on behalf of anyone's salvation because he was a sinful man, just like every man and every woman that's ever been born except God in flesh. God dwelt among us so that we could be and see the fullness of grace him being able to offer to us what we couldn't offer to it for ourselves and what we do not deserve and the truth about it. And that leads us to a close this evening. If you will, look with me to Revelation, the 21st chapter, another time that we read about God coming near. Look in Revelation 21 as we get a glimpse of heaven unfolding before our eyes. In Revelation 21, we'll read verse 1 and 2, but we want to especially note 3 and 4. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, come down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That reminds us of what we studied this morning. But now, notice Revelation 21, verse 3. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And He will dwell with them. And they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. All the way back at Mount Sinai, God said, 
Moses, I'm going to give you a tabernacle. I want the people to know that I want to dwell among them. Jesus Christ was born on this earth because God wanted to dwell among us. And now heaven is offered to us. And what is heaven? It is the ultimate tabernacle where we shall dwell with God. Friends, when I think about Philippians, the first chapter, and I think about Paul's words as he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, remain the flesh is more needful for you. Do you see what godly people have seen for ages? People have seen a God that wants to be close. Moses recognized the presence of God and didn't want to leave from His presence. Jesus came to this earth and some accepted Him, some rejected Him, some crucified Him. But friends, Paul understood. He said, I want to be with Him right now. Where are you? Are you close to God? He's done everything that He can do to be close to us. And if there's distance and sin separating us, right now the move is ours. We're the one who has to move. Thank God that we serve a God that wants to dwell among us. Tonight, you and I can be God's special treasure if we're people that are willing to make Him our Lord. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and willing to repent of sins, won't you confess before men and be baptized and have those sins washed away to be His own special people? Maybe you've done that in the past, but yet you haven't lived like it. Maybe sin has separated you from your God again, and that's the wonderful thing about God. His mercy and His grace continually reaches down as long as there's life within us. Friends, let's not leave here with a distant God. Let's leave here drawing near to God and He'll draw near to us. If we can help in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.